if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. You know, if we're just climbing for the sake of climbing, there's a point where you're going to hit a wall and you're in trouble. But if you figure out the reason for that and the why for that, then you can continue to climb. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I bet you never thought of all of the people we'd have on the show that we would have a dentist on the show today. I'd like to introduce Eric Record. He's a general dentist and owner of Record Dental Care. He's also the owner of Win the Now LLC. He's been a business owner for 15 plus years. He's got a team of 20 people. He's completed 25 triathlons and climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So he's he's done all the things so far and has the experience to back it. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. Doug, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So building great sales teams, dentistry, how do they go together? We're going to find out on this show right now. So kind of walk me through a little bit of this. It seems like a transition. You've been a successful business owner for a while now. Tell me about when the now LLC. Yeah. So I guess how much time do you have? Cause I could probably talk the <laughs> afternoon about it, but you know, when the now was born out of seasons of burnout. So I was, I went through several seasons of burnout, uh, two very significant ones. And the most recent one led me to nearly walk away from my dental practice. So it was, uh, you know, when you're in that burnout season, you're just in survival mode. And then we came up upon COVID, the great disruptor. And during that time, I decided to, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I don't know about you, Doug, but I'm so schedule oriented. So when I had to close my practice and be closed for eight weeks and we didn't know how long it was going to be, that was really tough on me because I was used to knowing what time I was going to do what during the day, my day scheduled out by the 15 minutes. So. I had to figure out what to do with myself during that time. And during that time, I committed to 30 minutes of quiet every day. I had no idea what that was going to look like, but I knew I needed to slow my mind down and try to figure out what was next. What was I going to do in this time? What was I going to do next? And that's where I learned the phrase win the now. So what win the now really is, is it's the mindset of presence. So knowing that the only thing that we really have guaranteed is right now, we, we can worry about the future. We can be stuck in the past, but really the currency that we have is right now. So how do I like, for instance, when we're in a pandemic and we don't know what we're doing, how can we, instead of just worrying about it, what can I do right now? How can I be in the moment right now? What can I do to make sure that I find a win in the current moment? And so that all started in 2020 and then it has grown from there. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think it's a, it's something a lot of us had to deal with, whether you're talking about COVID or burnout, uh, entrepreneurs in general, it's, it's two major subjects, right? For us, you know, we, we had a similar journey where we were shut down for about eight weeks. 
you know, we did door to door and B2B. So basically if, and, and I would imagine the same as you, you weren't earning if you weren't practicing, you know, we weren't right. earning if we were selling, you know? Right. And so we had to find ways around it. And luckily we could still sell over the phone. We could still, you know, pull up Google maps and pull up the numbers from everybody and at least try and make deals over the phone, you know? But, um, and so it was a very scrappy time and it definitely somehow even through COVID created burnout, you know, because it was like you were in front of your computer all day instead of in front of your office or salespeople or your team, or whatever the case was. And you had to like adapt to this virtual lifestyle, you know, yeah. then all of a sudden everybody started getting in shape and cooking better. And yeah. like, spending, you know, because think about it, we, we, we spent all our time at home and now there wasn't this, uh, uh, travel every day that you had to do between meetings or between going to work and coming back from work. And so you had some extra time, maybe about, you know, an hour and a half to two hours a day. And yep. people started picking up hobbies. For me, it was barbecue. I barbecued like crazy. And then I was able to meal prep because of the barbecue, you know, and uh, I worked out like crazy. And so um, I was able to develop a lot of really good habits during that time, but other people didn't, you know, other people went the other way with it lost their businesses and, and, and other things. So, and then the second part of that is the, the burnout, I would say, I think, uh, when you're doing well in business, you don't realize it's happening because you're getting that constant dopamine hit of seeing the P and L every week or every day or seeing yep. numbers get broken or income numbers get, get, uh, records, records get hit. And so you get all this dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And then you present it with a major challenge again. And all of a sudden you're not getting that dopamine and you could easily slip back the other way yeah. because it's been good for so long, you know? And, yeah. and that's what we dealt with between COVID and now, right? It was so good for so long because all the, the government money was pushed into the market. And so everybody had money, everybody was doing well. And now that's all about. And so it's, it's separation season. Again. So, what do you recommend for, you know, with your 15 years of experience being an entrepreneur for as long as you have, you know, one of the things obviously you recommend is that quiet time in the morning to collect yourself, yep. what else, whether it be clients or in your own practice, you recommend doing during the separation season to kind of calibrate, make sure you're executing really well. Yeah. So I think what I, what I came to realize when I was burnt out is that the, my equation for burnout is that I was overcommitted and I wasn't taking care of myself. So for me, it had to be both of those things. And I think we're in a time in history where a lot of us are overcommitted. So some of us are overcommitted because we have a job and we have a family and we maybe coach our kids in a sport or we're on a board or we're doing all these different things. But there's also the friendly fire overcommitment where we're committed to all these social media platforms and we're committed to all the time that we spend on our phone overlooking at, you know, videos or whatever we're doing. And we're overcommitted just because of choices that we've made. And then we also don't take care of ourselves. I think one of the biggest things that we're missing as a society is self-care. So what we're doing is we're just pushing, pushing, pushing. 
where we always think there's extra in the tank and, and there isn't. You have to take some time to refill. You have to take some time to have some energy because if I come in here as a business owner in the morning and I'm supposed to lead a team of 20 and I'm also supposed to be great for my patients and then have something left at the end of the night, but I slept terrible and I didn't have good habits the day before, then what am I going to pour from? What am I going to give from? So I think we constantly need to be asking whether it is sitting in quiet for a few minutes and letting your brain idle. You know, 30 minutes is a lot. I, there, I'm sure there's a lot of high achievers on here that are listening to things and listening to your show regularly. And they say, holy cow, there is no way I could do 30 minutes of quiet. And I'll tell you the first time that I tried to do it, I looked at my watch about 45 seconds into it and I thought I got to be about halfway there. That sounds so, like me. Yeah. Yeah. But what I have found is if we don't take those moments to pause, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. What if it's five minutes? What if it's two minutes? What if it's we're in our car at a traffic light and instead of picking up our phone, we just look around, we just take a couple deep breaths. We observe something around us. What if when we're in the checkout line at the grocery store or Target or Walmart or wherever we are, what if we just don't reach into our, into, uh, reach for our phone? What if we're just present to that moment and see what's around there? Because our, our brains were not designed to be as stimulated as what they are. So we're so overstimulated that if we don't give our minds a little bit of time to just idle, then we're in trouble. I mean, what, how do we expect our bodies to just all of a sudden go to sleep after we've been watching 10 second videos for the last hour? It's just not practical. Yeah. And it's, it's too alluring. It's too addicting to do it. You know, like I'm, I'm a victim to it all the time. It's like all of a sudden I'm watching reels and I'm like, wait a second, what did I get on my phone for? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I got on my phone to message this client. And all of a sudden I'm watching reels. I, I mean, I know everybody can relate to that. And so yes. the act of taking that time out, I think is, is massive. So I love that you're bringing that to the show for sure. And in, yeah. in you brought up a good point. We, we spend so much time sched, not scheduling, but making up because, because the world, it is moving at a, at a fast pace. Right. And we're constantly distracted. And maybe we just feel like it's moving at a fast pace because we're constantly distracted. You know what I'm saying? And we're not moving quite as effectively as we used to, you know, every step that we take is a little more, um, muddy now because of all the distractions around us. Right. And so, but you were saying, you know, stopping at the light and looking at your phone, it's just, a, it's a, uh, unconscious thing now, you know what I mean? to where it's already up and it's in front of you and you're not even thinking you didn't intentionally mean to grab it. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. um, that's, that's definitely a habit that I think we all need to work on, on breaking for sure. Yeah. One so, of the, one of the huge things with that is I've tried to constantly ask myself when I'm going to reach for my phone, just the slightest pause and say, why am I picking it up? Why am I reaching for my phone? What am I expecting to do with this? And a lot of times it's just because it's a pacifier and I don't want to deal with that couple seconds of quiet. I don't want to, it's, it's just comforting. You know, that little dopamine hit, as you talked about earlier, 
that just we continue to have that. So they become digital pacifiers and we're no different from a little kid who gets handed a pacifier when we're uncomfortable. And I love that analogy because it, it motivates you to stop doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a great analogy. Okay. So I would imagine, you know, having climbed Kilimanjaro 25 triathlons, the, the mental fortitude that takes, right. And you just, you just created the, or not created, but you just talked about the, the pacifier metaphor, you know, and, and to me, someone that, that can come up with something like that understands mental fortitude, understands mental endurance. Right. And so um, what are some of the other things that you kind of have in your mental toolbox that you pull out to uh, I guess, conquer the day or when you're feeling down to come, come out of that, you know, down moment. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, uh, and, and I apologize, it's allergy season in Iowa, so I'm all kinds of congested. So I hope that's not, not too big of a deal. No, but in Iowa, fine. we have, we, it's, it's everything season. So we're just getting hammered here. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and I don't, I don't say all those things about triathlon and climbing the mountain and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff to, to brag. I say that stuff to say, I only knew how to push myself beyond my limit. And so I had to learn some things because a lot of that was what led to my burnout. Um, I'm not saying triathlon's bad, but if it's the thing that you're thinking about constantly and you're shaping the rest of your life around it, then you have to wonder if it got to be too big of a place in your life. So for me, it was, again, it was that overcommitted and not taking care of myself. So lots of nights I would get five hours of sleep, maybe six hours of sleep, um, but I would fall asleep on the couch when I was supposed to be hanging out with my kids. I would be, you know, at lunch, I'd barely make it to lunch and I'd have to pass out on the couch for a few minutes at lunch. Um, so I learned a lot of the way not to do it. And I have a whole box of metals, uh, that remind me that life can get pretty out of balance. But now if I had to do all that again, I wouldn't necessarily not do it. I just know, that, okay, this is, these are all the things that I have on my plate and I'd be a whole lot better at, uh, for one, for one, just time blocking. And I'm sure you've probably, uh, talked to your, your listeners have talked about that, heard about that, but time blocking has been life-changing in, in my life. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason that we get in trouble with discretionary time and why phones are so easy for us to get into because we, have this urgency of all these things that we think we need to get done, but it's easier to go do something that we're distracted by that makes us feel good. And all of a sudden we've lost an hour. We've lost two hours. Whereas if we would have just looked at our day at the beginning of the day and said, okay, from eight to nine, I'm going to do this from nine to 10. I'm going to do this from 10 to 11. I'm going to do this. But then in the, in the middle of those times, instead of just thinking we have to, put the pedal down constantly. Is there a five or 10 minute window in there where I can go for a walk around the block where I -hmm. can just look away from the screen and take five deep breaths, uh, where I can maybe, uh, send and encourage it's on a screen, but send an encouraging text to a friend. Hey, I haven't talked to you for a while. I hope you're doing great. I really appreciate that you did whatever for me. And I hope Mm -hmm. life is good. Um, some of those kind of things that, that help, you know, find out what, 
what we're going to do during the day. So the time blocking stuff, but also giving ourselves breaks in between tasks so we can do something not related to a screen. Because I don't know about you, Doug, but when you have a super busy day, if you don't have any breaks in between those times, all of a sudden everything kind of blurs together and it becomes kind of a big yeah. mess. Well, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, we were talking about it before we got on the call today. And I do have one of those days today. And this is where time blocking can can kind of create can kind of hurt you is if you don't intentionally block out time to have that quiet time. You know what I'm saying? Because like right now it's back to back all day for me. And then we had a client fire earlier going on and I'm on a panel for a podcast and I'm trying to like off to the side message over here and, you know, make sure the client gets taken care of while answering these podcast questions. And I, and I've gotten very good at it, but unfortunately that's not a skill that I want to develop much more. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, definitely. absolutely. So what I, what I have been doing, and again, my schedule has to catch up to it, but what I've been doing is only blocking in 45 minute increments versus one hour increments. And if you block in 45s or 15s, like you were saying, but you always leave yourself 15 at the top of every hour, that's your time to get organized, respond to email, respond to text. Cause if not, you are going to literally be back to back all day. And, you know, in, in, in our type of business, that's great because that means that means you're earning while you're on the call or you're promoting like on this podcast, you know, and are, are giving value. But if you don't have that in between time, it's it's those problems are going to just stack and stack and stack, you know, and you can't really attack them back or the bigger problem of not being able to recalibrate and enjoy a little quiet time so you can be effective on the next call. So that's yeah. I think that's massive for sure. So yeah, that's really well if, said. That's really well said, Doug. I was just going to add one more thing. So I was getting to the point as our practice has grown that I was just doing that all day long and Yes, I only make money if I'm if I'm being productive, but there is a tipping point to that where you actually yeah. become less productive the harder you push. And so it's it goes against most of what the literature says and what the practice management guys are saying and all of that. But in my practice, I have my team schedule me a 15 minute block in the middle of the morning that that nothing can be scheduled there. Now it can be moved up a half hour, down a half hour. It's within a range. But that has to be there and I have to just step away. And sometimes I only get five minutes of that. Sometimes I get the whole 15. But I have to do something that's not talking to people and not catching up on anything. It just has to be a couple minutes of dead space. And then I know in the morning I just got to get to that space and then it splits up the morning so it's not so long. And that's been huge. Yeah. So I love your idea of, of scheduling 45s. And then having 15s for the other stuff in between. That's awesome. Well, and you you and I know that's where the meat and potatoes is. is you know, that, that first 10 to 15 is catching up, seeing how everybody's doing, how the family's doing, or whatever the case is, if, if it's a client or a prospect. And then the, that 30 minutes in the middle of the hour is the meat and potatoes. You know, and then afterwards, you're just like, can you think of anything else? Can you think of anything else? So you could probably cut that yeah. off <laughs> and give yourself some of that time back. Okay, Absolutely. so right now you're doing keynote speaking, you're coaching, you've got a challenge going on. So walk me through a couple of those things. If you are hired to speak, what are you speaking about? And uh, what can uh, your clients expect on that? Yeah, 
So I like to speak about when the now. I, li I like to talk to people about how they can incorporate that into their lives, how they can define what the different nows look like in their life and what a win can look like in each of those, because it's it can be kind of a confusing phrase if you think, well, I, I don't know, what, a, what does a win look like uh, around the dinner table? And we talk mm -hmm. about that because you know, if everybody's on their phones at dinner, well then, you know, let's be honest, why are you even eating together other than you all yeah. need to eat? So what does a win look like? How are you fully present in the moment for that? How are you present in a meeting with your team and in all of those different moments? And then we talk about win stacking and all of that. Um, I also like to talk about uh, how uh, the lessons that I've learned climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, how if you if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. And so talking about understanding, you know, if we're just climbing for the sake of climbing, there's a point where you're going to hit a wall and you're in trouble. But if you figure out the reason for that and the why for that, then you can continue to climb. So those are a couple of things I love to talk about. And, and lately I've been talking to, uh, to been doing some more workshops about refilling strategies, just being honest uh, with yourself and with your teams, creating a common language for how are we doing? You know, are we are we really doing well? Are we drained? Um, are, and how do we be honest with those that we work with so we can help each other through some of these circumstances? Because there's times when I'm pretty torched and I need a little help. And there's times when other people on my team are pretty torched and they need a little help. And if we can be honest about where we're at, uh, then we can actually realize, oh man, I'm not taking care of myself. Here's some things that I can do to move myself back up and then I can be better to everybody else. I like what you said about the win at the dinner table, you know, because in every conversation, you know, I'm looking for education and knowledge, right? And this is just something that's been ingrained in me the last couple of years since I started joining masterminds and being around like-minded people. And, uh, so I know I'm winning in that area because we do have dinner at the table every night and we do what we call high, low Buffalo. So it's our high yeah. for the day. It's our low for the day. And it's our Buffalo, which is a, a surprising thing that happened that day. Like if you were just walking down the road and you saw a Buffalo in the road or even in a pasture, you'd be surprised, right? Cause they're not common, you know? And so yeah. we, we have those conversations every day. And then of course we say our prayer before we eat and, um, so it's kind of nice to think, hey, that's a win every day that I get, you know, and I know how how much wins are tied to, again, going back to that dopamine in your brain, you know, you can use it for good too. instead of getting the dopamine hit from a reel, you're getting a dopamine hit from hearing about your daughter's day that day, you know, and so um, it's just subbing out one for the other. It doesn't have to be just straight quiet time all the time. It can be that interaction that you have with your family, too, I feel like. Yeah. And for and for sales teams, the reason that win the now means so much to me is because I I see a lot of patients during a day and I have a lot of conversations during a day. And so in the midst of that, it's tempting to look at your day based on the lowest common denominator. So if you had one tough conversation or you had one person who was grumpy with you or you had a, a team member really drag you down. What when the now says is that uh, we don't have to look at the whole day. What we look at is so right now with us talking, 
I hope a win looks like us having a great conversation, a lot of good back and forth, creating a great podcast for your people and all of that. But after this, uh, for me, a win is going to look like great interactions with my patients and with my team and all of that. So if I do take a loss, which, you know, what, throughout the course of the day, I probably am. But then I remember that even the best baseball teams ever weren't perfect. They won about 60, 70 percent of their games, maybe 75 yeah. percent. So if you take a loss, see what you can learn from it uh, or write some things down for it so you can revisit it later, but then work on that win streak again, because there's a chance for a new win streak right around the corner. So it's, it's a very optimistic way of looking at life and it's a very hopeful way of looking at life. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. I had, I heard someone say one time, if you're winning 51% of the time, you're still winning a win's a win, you know? And uh, so what you're saying about that, percentage point is is massive so if you're if you're winning 70 percent of the time you're knocking it out of the park you know okay so yeah, what is this oh, go ahead uh well the best baseball players ever uh hit about you know if you hit over 300 over your career you might get a hall of fame nod that's yeah. three out of ten hits <laughs> so i think yeah. it's good for us to remember that batting a thousand is is not going to happen no not at all Although some people try to make it look like that on social media. <laughs> oh. I think that's the problem, the, the gap between reality and what's on there. Okay, so tell me about this knockback burnout challenge. What's that all about? Yeah. So when I was when I was burned out, I just I didn't know what to do. So I was never very good at, at telling other people about it. I just felt like this is what life was. So going back to elementary school, I was uh, I was bullied when I was growing up. So this wasn't one of these really horrible bullying stories where I was I was getting beat up all the time and all of that. But it was more what I would call an everyday bullying story. Mm -hmm. So I was getting I was getting picked on, called names, people take my backpack, stuff like that. But really, the hardest thing for me was not being allowed to play kickball at recess at lunch. Mm -hmm. And where I come from in my elementary school, recess kickball was life, man. That was everything. And when you're told that you can't play and you are told you can't play because you're not good enough, mm -hmm. that stings. And as a second, third and fourth grader, and then moving on into middle school, you start to believe that maybe you're not good enough. And I remember standing on the playground as a third grader saying, I'm going to be so freaking good at everything that nobody will ever not pick me. And so then in my life, I overcompensated and I tried to do the best I could in school. I had to be, wasn't good enough to be the top 10 in my dental school class. I had to be in the top eight or the top five. Yeah. And it wasn't good enough to do a 5K. I had to do a 10K, a half Ironman, uh, sorry, a half marathon, full marathon. That's still not enough. I got to do an Ironman triathlon. And finally realized actually at the top of a mountain that I didn't know why I was climbing. And I was still trying to, uh, I guess, impress these bullies that had moved on from me probably 25 years before. Uh, and I think a lot of us do that, especially high achievers. Um, and so what I wanted to do is create kind of a common language for people who are struggling with burnout to say, 
okay, I need some help. I don't know what to do, but I'm feeling like I might be burned out. So I created this easy challenge. It's a series of five emails that you'll get. And what it does is it just is some easy, some stories from my life and then some easy strategies uh, to move forward. It's not a solution to burnout, but you got to start somewhere because it seems like this massive mountain, but you have to start somewhere. And I think this is a good start to, to pushing it back a little bit. Well, and I think it's incredibly important, especially for our listeners, because of what you said, there's a lot of business owners listening that come here for help with their sales teams. Right. And, but I think this is important too, because we are all entrepreneurs and we do have that common like thing that happened in our childhood, or maybe when we were in high school or whatever the case was, and it ends up being the fuel that gets us to the point that, you know, we're successful. Right. But then this weird thing happens is we become successful and then it ends up that same thing that made us successful in business hurts us in life in general. And we start on this downward slope because we're still trying to run that play, you know, which is a play of let me fill the empty void instead of actually being grateful and present and happy where I'm at. I can want more, you know what I mean? But I still need to be able to be appreciate and be content where I am. You know, and a lot of times that happens when we get home, right? And so I, I feel like challenges like this are incredibly important and so simple, right? And that's the problem is because there are so many gurus out there and so many, you know, let me, let me spend three hours of my day awake and do 27 different things before I even start work. And that's the way to be successful, right? Or let me run a triathlon or let me, let me climb a mountain, you know what I'm saying? when all I have to do is sign up for these five emails and get that perspective and execute on those emails. And then maybe I can create some clarity, some calibration and be better suited to execute moving forward, you know? And so um, that sounds like something you want to do. Check out the show notes and you can click on the link there and take advantage of that challenge that Eric is putting out for us. Eric, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Uh, love the conversation that we had. Definitely consider it a win for the day. And uh, do you have anything? Oh, I almost forgot the most important question. Okay. Our questions. Legacy. What does it mean to you? And what legacy do you want to leave behind? Ooh, boy, that's a great one. Uh, you know, and I, I'm at that point in my career right now. So mm-hmm. I'm, I have been grinding for a long time. And I think a lot of people who are listening to this have been grinding as well. But I'm at a different point in life right now. So I've been a dentist for 21 years. And I uh, this last summer with, that we're still in, actually in June, my oldest son got married. And just this weekend, this last weekend, we took my youngest son to college uh, three hours okay. away. And so my wife and I uh, came home to an empty house and it's, oh. it's, yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> I crazy. feel that. It is, it is crazy to be at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I realized that a good percentage of the parenting that I've done with my kids has been done. Now I have a great yeah. relationship with them and, and I still think the best is yet to come by far. 
but I'm starting to look at what are some of the things that I'm going to do that are going to last. And yes, I, I still enjoy dentistry. I really do. I plan on doing it for a long time. I don't plan on doing it five days a week. I'm actually, right now I do dentistry three days a week and I do my, what I call content, which is everything else, the other two days of the week. But I'm, I'm thinking more about what is going to last beyond when I'm here. And my hope is that I can help people learn to take care of themselves. I hope that I can teach people how to get wins in their everyday life. I hope that I can help people push back burnout so that they can do it for somebody else. I hope that I can teach people to be an encourager by being an encourager so that people are strengthened on the journey. That Because that's what I want to do. I want to be somebody who people say that their life is better because they spent some time with me. And not that it's about me, but that it's about their journey. And if I can help someone on their journey and help with their trajectory, then that's, that's all the legacy that I need. I love it. I love it so much. And uh, yeah, my oldest daughter is uh, going to turn 13 in October. So, okay. we, you know, I'm lucky that I have my wife and she's reminding me every day that they're not going to be here in about five years, you know, at least she's not. And then so on and so forth with my youngest too. And so yeah. uh, I love that you said that because that is a, a big deal, but, and, and I think it's also important to point out that you're working three days a week now, you know, so in terms of, you know, learning how to do that, that's something that a lot of people can learn from you. And then the last piece is, yeah, having that impact and that that legacy of helping others take care of themselves that self-care i think that's that's massive yeah and the with your kids the age that they are man it was yesterday that my kids were that age i swear <laughs> it was um and and you know a lot of people hear that and they get you know they get scared i had a friend that when his son was in eighth grade he said man i only have i remember we were standing on his roof we were roofing his house and and uh, he said, uh, man, I'm just really overwhelmed because I only have this many weekends left with my son. I don't know. It's like 200 yeah. something. And I, I just remember thinking that's that's an awful mindset because you already are on a scarcity mindset like this is all I have. Yeah. But man, if yeah. we approach every day with how can I get a win with my family? How can I get a win with my team? How can I get a win with a sale? And man, then you quit worrying about the future and you start living for the present. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, she's going to go to school at some point. She's going to leave the house at some point. But man, then you're going to feel really good about it because you did everything you could and you have no regrets when you get there. And talk about legacy. That's a pretty good feeling. Hell yeah. I love it. Love it so much, brother. I appreciate you for coming on the show. Uh, guys, Eric. Eric Recker, um, what is it? Eric Recker. Oh, ericrecker.com made it easy yep. for us. Super -E E-R-I-C-R-E-C-K-E-R.com. All things Eric Recker. Go check them out, guys. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an honor, brother. Thanks for having me, Doug. This has been great. All right, let's get building.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.